Welcome to Moreland PI. Thank you for meeting me on such short notice. I um, I just had one more question. Why did you agree to talk to me when you're the one who killed the Chaltons? I beg your pardon? Were you hoping to send me on the wrong track? Figure out what I knew and skew the odds? Because it didn't work. Well, it might have. You haven't slipped up. I hear... Please, keep the pleadings of innocence for after my speech... Now, here is what I think happened. You said Emily Chawton kept inviting you to double-date dinner parties, trying to set you up. According to you, none of these attempts panned out, but I don't think that's true. I think at one of those dinners, you were introduced to a man you did fall for. One of Charles Chawton's closest friends, Benjamin Price. When we talked the other day, something just kept bugging me. You called him Ben. I figured that you might have known him. After all, you had common friends, but you said you'd never met until the day of the murders. You course-corrected after that, calling him Mr. Price, but after a while you went back to his first name. Now, why would you be this familiar when talking about someone you barely know? And if you did know him, why did you hide it? I think... Bear with me here, because the details are a little fuzzy... You stole the money from the restaurant. Unlike Emily Chawton, you didn't have the wealthy husband, or a tendency to attract tips from every customer. So you were struggling, and you started taking from the till. A few pounds here and there, and then a few hundred. Until your friend caught you at it. She gave you an ultimatum, probably threatened legal action. After all, her husband was an attorney. He knew how to build a case that would ruin your life forever. So you went to the man you were dating, the man you knew had access to Mr. Chawton's office. Price must have really cared about you to get involved in all this. So he went looking for any evidence Mrs. Chawton might have given her husband, and when he couldn't find it at the office, he had no choice but to confront his friend. And whatever he said, it couldn't have been that convincing, otherwise... Well, the next part wouldn't have happened. Mr. Chawton refused to hand over the evidence and probably threatened to implicate Price too. You were backed into a corner. So you did the only thing you could think to do. You waited for night time, used the spare key under the flower pot and went into the house. You killed the Chawtons and staged it to look like they killed each other. Then you found the evidence and took it with you, making sure to leave no trace behind. You were probably hoping someone would find the Chawtons in the morning, when you were both at work and could claim you knew nothing. But after a few hours, it seemed like it wasn't going to happen. So you went to the house and called the police, pretended you were concerned friends who somehow had the same concerns, went to check in at the same time. You and Price knew where the spare key was. That's obvious. Mrs Chawton's niece said that their closest friends and family knew about it, And you two were each 
of the Chortons' closest friends. So why wouldn't you use that key to enter the house and check in on them? Why would you go round and look through the window unless you didn't want the police to know about the key? To know you had the opportunity to enter the house without breaking in and lock the door behind you? Well, after that, you just plead ignorance. It must have been hard having to pretend to be strangers. You knew you would be much more suspicious if people knew you were together, so you had to split up, to sell the lie. You threw yourself into your career and, well, Price isolated himself, and you both hoped the case would be forgotten. Too bad true crime became such a big thing. That is completely absurd. You certainly have an imagination, I'll give you that, but without proof, your wild theories are meaningless. Right. Proof is is a bit scarce, I'll admit, but witnesses aren't. It was just about asking the right questions to the right people. We do have the restaurant's books, and that's pretty hard evidence, although doesn't quite prove that you're the one who stole the money. I have your contradicting statements. Delilah's talk about the keys, maybe not enough for a conviction. But that's not what I'm here for. I just wanted to know the truth. The rest is in the justice system's hands. I've sent what I have to the police. They'll do the rest. My work here is done. You think it's that easy? Throw some dubious evidence together, interrogate people who barely remember about something that happened decades ago, spin some wild tales and ruin someone's reputation? You seemed to remember things pretty well. I'm calling my lawyer. Yes, you probably should. I think I'm hearing sirens. Goodbye, Miss Moreland. I hope you know what you're doing. Does anyone, really? Moreland P.I. is a Nerve Storytelling production. This episode was written and produced by Mae Tudick and featured Megan John as Kit Moreland and Christina Krorak as Sarah Howard. Original music by Sophie Kay. If you like our work and would like to support us, you can sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Nerve Storytelling or follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr. Thanks for listening.